Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Hi, everybody, and welcome. Today, we'll be talking about Chopas Nida from a variety of perspectives. We'll be hearing from Rav, Rabbi Tuvia Kazimov, who is incredibly knowledgeable in Taras Meshpacha, um, especially in, in areas related to women's health. Um, as part of the Crown Heights based in, he works a lot with the Rabbanim when they need to work with a Chopas Nida situation. And we are so grateful to him today to give us a brief halachic synopsis on Taras Meshpacha. Following his halakhic presentation, we will also be hearing from Kala teachers um, to hear about it from the hashkafic or practical angle. And the reason why we chose to have this topic um, covered in this format is more of an educational um, perspective. This in no way substitutes your own discussion with a Rav and Kala teacher, Mashpia, it might when or if you get to the situation, but this is more informational. You know, Kala gets engaged, we set a wedding date, how careful do we need to be um, with the date um, to plan to avoid a chubas nida? Do we use hormonal manipulation? Do we let things just be? And so understanding the um, factors at play, understanding what it means to have a chubas nida and what that entails will help everybody be empowered to make informed choices for themselves. So without any further ado, Rabbi Tuvia Kazimov. Shalom Aleichem. The following is a share, is a class for mikvah.org on the topic of Chopas Nida. And there's a few things that need to be discussed when it comes to Chopas Nida. We have to speak the halacha, we have to speak practicality, and the Hashem, there are going to be Kala teachers discussing in Yale Hashkafa things to have in mind, the proper outlook if this happens, that this is not the end of the world. That there's an Abishter and the same Abishter that created the Shidduch and connected the Chasan and the Kala is the same Abishter that put them in this situation, and there's absolutely nothing to be sad about. That the Mitzvah is going to be discussed by the Kala teachers. Here, Mitzvah are going to be discussing the practicalities, the halachas of Chopas Nida. Now, even before we get to Chopas Nida, the first thing. That needs to be discussed is how to set the date for the chuppah. Today we know that there's a, a way to manipulate a cycle. So these are all things that we're going to be discussed. We're going to discuss how to set it in a natural way, if it's not a natural way, if it's going to be done through medical intervention, how to go about that, the halachic ramifications, if there are any. That's one stage. Um, the next topic in Chupas Nida that we're going to discuss is what happens in the actual Chupas Nida by the Chup itself. Are there any differences? What are those differences? Um, if the Chasa doesn't know, who should tell him? These are all very, very important things. And what happens if the Kala tabled on day seven regarding Yichud after the Chupa? 
Um, the next topic is also a very important topic. What happens after the chuppah? Let's say it was a chuppah nida. There's a, a very big difference of when the chasnim kala come home. There's a prohibition of yichud of being together without anybody else there. So this is something that uh, needs to be discussed, addressed. Also, what are the halachis and practical advice on how to do it in the most uh, respectable way to the chasnim kala? Um, another topic in Hashem that we're going to cover is, let's say it was not a chupas nida, but the chasm and kala were not successful in completing the be'ilas mitzvah and consummating the marriage. Uh, what do you do then? Is there going to be a problem of yichud? How much needs to be accomplished to take off the problem of yichud? Yichud means the, the prohibition of being together without anybody else there. And another topic, which is also something very important, it happens and it needs to be addressed for people to know what to do, what needs to be done in practicality. And this is, if it was a chupas nida, and the tvila for the kala, for this new wife, falls out on Friday night. Now, what's the problem? The problem is that uh, most likely there's going to be shava brachis, and uh, by Shavu Brachis, there's a problem. If the Kala is going to go to Shavu Brachis without makeup, people are going to know that uh, she may be, or, or people may, or the Kala may feel very uncomfortable that uh, people are going to know that she has a little Tvila, she has the Mikvah night on that night. So how to go about that, if there's any Aitzas, if there are any suggestions on how to do it in a very discreet way. Okay. So, with the first topic that we mentioned, let's discuss it first. So, the Chasn and Kala have decided that this is the Shidduch that they want to go forward with, they want to get married. It is very, very important for the Tzad HaKala, for the, the Kala's side, to right away to speak with either the Rav of their community, or the Rebbitzin of their community, or a Kala teacher, or somebody in the family, a friend, somebody who is well experienced in how to calculate um, the anticipated period, if it's not going to be in a month, in two months from now, um, in order to be able to set the time for the chasana, for the wedding. So it's important to sit down, to have a general knowledge of when the flow usually comes and to, to work around with the information that you have to be able to set a date that it's not going to be a chupas nida. Now, before we continue, I do want to mention that uh, in halacha, there's absolutely no problem if it is a chupas nida. We know there is a dispute in the Rishayinim, the Rambam, the Rosh, if a chuppah is considered a chuppah or not. However, la halacha, when it comes to actual halacha, how we pass and how we, what we do, the halacha is that if it happens to be a chuppah it is not a problem. It's still 100% kosher. It is a kosher and valid chuppah. So we're not over here discussing whether or not the marriage is a good marriage. The answer is yes, it is a valid marriage. We're going to be discussing more of a practical thing on how to set the date to avoid the, all of the uncomfortabilities connected to a chupas nida. 
And for anybody's personal interest, if they would like to look it up, it's Bradham Shulchan Aruch and Evan Ezer, Simon Samach Aleph, Se'iv Beis. You can look it up over there. So, there are some times where even though you calculated your date and you know exactly when you should be 100% fine, when you're for sure not expecting a flow, but sometimes there are external factors that block the ability to make the chuppah then. Either there are simply no halls available or for whatever reason, very important members of the family, all, mem- all family members are important, but grandfather, grandmother, brother, whatever it is, they cannot make it, they can only make it done at this time. Whatever external factor could affect it, um, and if the date is changed to a time where it's possibly going to be a chupas nida, today it is very, very common that the pill is used to manipulate the cycle to accommodate the date which is available. Meaning you take the pill, so long that you're on the active pill, it pushes off the ability for the period to come. And therefore you'll be able to manipulate, so to speak, the period by pushing it off. And by doing so, you'll be able to have any date really for the for the chuppah and thereby avoiding a chuppah's nida. So as mentioned, there's no halachic problem whatsoever with a chuppah's nida, the chuppah is still valid. Now, why would one want to go ahead and still, even though there's no problem halachically with the chuppah's nida, why push for dafka a chuppah which is not a chuppah's nida? So we have to live with reality. You know, if it's a chupas nida, the reality is for some young couples, this could be a big nisayan, this can be a big test, it can be a big uh, letdown for the chasim, for the kala, whatever it is. But these are all important factors that need to be taken into consideration and not to dismiss anybody's feelings. So this is a common practice. Now, there is no prohibition of taking these pills because they are not, even though at the end of the day, this is a birth control. However, there's no marriage yet. And there's no way to bring children into the world yet. So being that it's not being used as a birth control, it's just being used as a medication to manipulate the cycle. There's no problem halakhically um, for this pill because it is not a birth control at the moment. Now, of course, after the chasna, after the chuppah, the marriage, after it's consummated, one should definitely go off right away the pill. If there's any medical concerns, whatever it is, this has to be discussed with a rav and with a doctor. Medical meaning the kala cannot have children for whatever reason. This is something very important to discuss with the rav and very important to discuss with the doctor. Now, I do want to mention that this is a very important thing. If, when it is decided, the date for the chuppah, it's not going to work out with uh, the cycles, and the, the kala decides that this is something that she does want to do, she does want to take the pill, it is very important right away to 
go to a doctor who is well-versed with the from Kehillah, with the from community, with the religious community, and they'll be able to properly guide which pills to take and which pills not to take, because this is very important to know ahead of time. Um, they could, the pills do cause spotting, or they could potentially cause spotting. It has to be done right with proper guidance, with an experienced Kala teacher and with an experienced doctor. And of course, it has to, you have to check in with the doctor to make sure there's absolutely zero health risks involved. The doctor should know the background, the health background of the Kala, so on and so forth. This is very important. Um, so if the decision is made to go ahead and to take the pills, so right away, not to waste time, the Kala teacher should be asked which doctor she recommends to be able to help um, take a, move the process in a smoother way and, and, and its timing is very important. So it should not be pushed off. This is something to take into account right away. Now, there's a few very important things that we have to take into, uh, into mind. Um, obviously, if the date works out with the cycle, there's absolutely no reason to push specifically to take pills just as a precaution. And this, there's really no need for it. Um, the reason I'm saying it is because, you know, somebody may still feel the pressure to do whatever they could just in case. But uh, the reality is, if everything is working in the natural perspective, taking a pill may not always be beneficial because if one forgets to take the pill, they can actually ruin the count for them. So you're trying to avoid a chupas nida, but it's not a foolproof system. Things could happen. So if anyway, the natural cycle, everything is fine. And there's no need to run for an intervention just to make sure because it's not always going to help. So that's number one. Number two, as I mentioned, this is very, very important. I cannot stress how important it is, the health of the Kala. This is something that must be taken into consideration. And not every person is able to take hormones. This must be discussed properly with a competent doctor. Um, safety first. And number three, this is a decision which solely belongs to the Kala. Nobody should put any pressure on the Kala whatsoever. This is something that has to be done Biratsin. It has to be done with her full will and desire that this is her act of choice and she is making it. Um, the next thing we touched upon is the Tava of the Kala, the nature of the Kala. If the Kala by nature is more of a forgetful person, it is very important with the, when it comes to these pills, the timing that they have to be taken at the same time every single day. Shabbos could be a big letdown for a lot of people simply because if, if they had a timer, for example, every single day, to take the pill, to remember to take the pill every single day at this and this time, Shabbos, they don't have that timer and they forget that this could be very problematic potentially because again, if a pill is not taken at the right time, this potentially could cause spotting, which could cause halachic issues to have, to avoid a chupas nida. So the Eitzah, the solution to that is to set a manual timer, a manual reminder, which Practically could be asking a friend, asking a parent to make sure to help you remember to take the pill on time. This is very crucial from a halachic 
perspective because if it causes bleeding, causes spotting, this could be a shaiva. And the last thing to take into consideration is hashkafa. So although we mentioned that there's no prohibition by taking these pills, the question is, hashkafakli, is this something that we should be the madrich, we should teach young kalas to take, to, to use? This is a question that the kalas family could discuss with their rav, if this is the proper thing to do, or with their mashpia, with the kala teacher. So these are all important things to keep in mind. So again, just to summarize, when the shidduch was decided upon that they are both parties are going forward, it's important not to waste any time and right away to check with the calendar if it is a practice, if you're able to get a date which works in a natural way. If not, again, there's nothing wrong if somebody goes with the path that uh, they'll take whatever Hashem sends, that's what Hashem sends, and they're going to set the date, whether it's going to be a or not. This is 100% valid halachically. We do not, uh, the, the, the rabbi, the rav, who's going to be doing the, the kedushin, the chupa, is not going to tell you, I'm sorry, you're going to have to push it off until after the, the mikvah. No, because halachically it is 100% valid. The only reason why somebody will take it is either because somebody knows themselves that this could be a test for themselves that they may not make it through, or the embarrassment, whatever it is, then it's important to speak it over, but it has to be done right away, and it has to be done with a doctor who is well aware of the firm community and well aware of the side effects that these pills can have, and to make sure to give the proper pills to avoid extra unnecessary spotting. Okay, so this is how we decide on the date, if there's any issues, how to potentially overcome them, either through medical intervention or if somebody doesn't care, that's 100% okay, if they'll go ahead with whatever it is. Now we're going to discuss the actual chupa date. Let's say Rakala chose that she does not want a, a medical intervention, she wants to go with the natural route, the natural route, um, or one decided to take the pills, but something went wrong. This happens, it's a common thing. It's nothing to be afraid of. Everything is from the Eivishter. You have to realize that as much as we do our, our Ishtadlos, the Eivishter is the one that runs the show. And the same Eivishter as mentioned that brought you here is the same Eivishter that put you in this situation. And you have to be completely give it over your, your muna and your trust into the Eibishter that this is exactly what you need at this moment. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. It is what it is, but the simcha, because this is what the Eibishter wants. It's much more than just accepting it. You're happy because this is a situation that the Eibishter put you in and Hashem put you in. So, as mentioned, you're coming to the chuppah and the Eibishter put you in a situation where it's a chuppah's nidah. So, Let's speak practical. The first things first, as soon as one finds out, it's confirmed that a psaac was given that it's going to be a chupas nida. The first thing that has to be done is right away to tell the Rav, the Rav Masanda Kedushan, the, the Rav who's going to be doing the chupa. You have to tell the Rav right away because that way the Rav is going to be able to prepare in advance to give proper guidance what to do. 
this is definitely the first thing to do. Now, it's interesting. It's Brown Shulchan Aruch that uh, at the same source that I mentioned last time, over there it says that uh, this, that we're not uh, so makvid, we're not so careful not to have a chobos nida. It says, and by the way, you should just tell the chasen. It's It throws it in there. You know, it's important the chasen should know. So, you know, as stressful as uh, as uh, it could be, if somebody decides to take it in a stressful way, but it's important that the chasen knows because the chasen is going to have to be told of the halachis. He has to, he's also, now that Metzashem is going to be married, it's a partnership and he is joining into the situation equally and he has to know what he's allowed to do, what he's not allowed to do. So this can either be done through the father of the chasen, this is one option, or the rav, the rav was doing the chopa, uh, should let the chasen know. And um, there's actually potentially a benefit that the rav lets the chasen know because once he breaks the news, he'll be able to give him guidance on what to do. What to do by the chuppah, after the chuppah, the yichud, when they come home, so on and so forth. Um, another practical difference by the chuppah that you'll see, again, these are things that are going to be, guidance is going to be given from the Masada Kedoshim, from the Rav, the rabbi, which is doing the chuppah, are by the actual, but the instructions are going to be given by the Rav, we'll just touch upon a few differences. That number one, when giving the ring from the Chasen Takala, from that moment and on, um, the Archokas begin. So a, a very practical way of giving the ring, because many Chasanim, they could get nervous, they don't want to over touch and, and not to Chasen touch the Kala, because after your Makadashur, the, the Archokas are in full effect. So a very practical way of doing it is the Kala actually puts her finger up, and the ring is placed on top, and right away, after the ring is placed, you let go. That takes off a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, because if you're trying to push in, you're afraid you don't want to touch the kala, you may, this has happened countless of times, that uh, you may say the words too early, which could uh, cause a problem. So, very simple, the kala puts the finger up, the chasen says, have a at, the whole uh, thing that the chasen is supposed to say, puts it on, right away, let's go, as simple as that. Um, another thing is by Chopasnida, the Kasuba, the marriage document is not given over from the Chasen to the Kala, rather the Rav will give it to a family member to hold on to, and after the Chopa, it should be given to the Kala, and this is very important not to lose, it has to be brought to the house, and the Kala always has to know where it is. Um, now for the Cheder Yichud, so the condition happened, you go to the Cheder Yichud, to the Yichud room. So many have a custom, they still do a, a pretend Yichud, so to speak. Um, so that is also different because a Chasen Kala, when it's not in, in the time of Tahara, it was a Chopas Nida, there is a prohibition of Yichud, as we're going to see in a few minutes, and it's Hashem. Um, so therefore, by the room of Yichud, the door should be open a drop. And of course, there's going to be Adam outside, people are going to be there, so it's not a real Yichud. Or if the Chasen and Kala choose to close the door, the Adam should pop in every few moments. That way, you will also avoid Yichud. And another very important point by, uh, by the Chupa, what's very common 
um, is that let's say that the Kala was not able to count the Shivnakim earlier and he just just made it to get a Hefzik and to count the Shivnakim in a way that day seven falls out on the day of the Chopa. Um, a Shaila should be asked, a Rav must be consulted whether or not she can table by day, day seven, which for somebody who's already married, this is not a simple thing at all. Um, but for a Kala, there's more room for leniency. So if such a thing does happen, and that means that all our chakras are in place until Tseis. So the, the, let's say the chuppah is a little bit before the shkia, before sunset. So the kedushim happen, they go straight away to the yichud, to, to the room of yichud, the cheder yichud, and um, it's not a real yichud, as we just mentioned. You leave the door open a little bit, and then afterwards it's going to hit the time of tzeis. From that point, the tefillah that she did by day, the immersion that was done by day, is now valid. It's now night time. So therefore, it's very important that a second yichud should be done after tzeis. So if there's no opportunity, if there's no chance to do it by where the chuppah is done, it's important that it should be done by the wedding hall. You should set aside two witnesses. Just like regular, the witnesses have to inspect the room beforehand to make sure that there's nobody there, no, poss no possibility for somebody to come in, no windows, whatever it is. And then a proper yichud should be done after tzeis. And this is important to remember. It's important to set somebody aside to remind the Chasmakala or to remind the parents. Okay, so that's the Chopa itself. Now, so you had the party, you benched, everything's great. Now the new couple, the Chasmakala, the new husband and wife are coming home. That's the next stage of the wedding. So over here, as we mentioned, that the Chos and Kala are not allowed to have any Yichud, and they're not allowed to be alone. So it's not just by the Chuppah, it's not just by the ceremony. This is a Halacha, that there's no Yichud allowed until the Kala actually goes to the Mikvah, until she tables. Now, in Shulchan Aruch, in Simen, in Yeridea, Simen Kuf Tanik Beis, in Shulchan Aruch it says that um, a Chosan, which is Kala, became a nida, or she was a nida to begin with, um, he should be sleeping with amongst other men, and she should be sleeping amongst other ladies. This is the, the terminology, that's the Lushan, the wording which is used. But from here we see that it's not enough just one shmira, one um, guard, so to speak, from, from Yehud. Rather, we see that the Chasa needs one Shmira, the Chasa needs his own person to guard him, so to speak. It's a borrowed term. And the Kala herself also needs a secondary Shmira. There has to be two Shmiras, two guardings. Again, it's a borrowed term. There has to be somebody there to avoid Yehud. So in a, general, in a regular case, often it's enough to have one person, but for a Chasa Kala, by nighttime, it's two. It's required to have two shmiras. And the Ramah, after the, the, the Shulchanach writes this halacha, brings different opinions, and he writes that the custom is that by night you take two shmiras. You take one shmira, one guarding for the chasen, 
and one guarding for the Kala. And by day, the Ramah writes, you take one. Either you take a Katan, a child for the Chasan, or a Ktana, a little girl, for the Kala. So again, after the Chasan and Kala come home, they are required by night to have two Shemiras, one for the Chasan and one for the Kala. We'll discuss just in a second who qualifies to be a Shemer. Um, and by day, the Ramah writes that the Ninag is to take a child for the Chasan, or, not and, rather, or, Ektana, a young girl, for the Kala. So we see by day, it's not to have one, and two are not required. Now, we mentioned a Kotan or Ektana, a child, either a young boy or a young girl, so it's very important to know what age qualifies. What, from what age can you take a, such a child? The answer is from between six to seven until 10 years old. So a child from anywhere from six years old until 10 years old is acceptable to be a shamer. So that's just something now we're going to be discussing all the options. But uh, anytime that we say to take a cotton or a ktana, a child, either a young boy or a young girl, it's referring to a child from the age of six years old until the age of 10 years old. Okay. So let's now discuss a little bit what the options are, because not every scenario allows for a cotton and a katana to be available, and sometimes, you know, it's not so comfortable. Let's just discuss all of the, the options, what's better, what's worse, or sometimes when it's not required to have a shmira. So, of course, as mentioned, um, one option is that the husband sleeps with, together with other men, the Kala sleeps with other ladies. This is, of course, that's what it says. That's the literal transla translation of what's Gradan and the Gemara and the Shulchan Aruch. To sleep with other people, they're separated, two rooms, that's one thing. But again, this is not uh, such a practice, a common practice, this is not such a comfortable thing to do. Um, so we'll discuss the other options. The other option is a another option is that a chasm can be sleeping in one house and the kala sleeps in another house. So it's not two separate rooms in the same house. And um, I just want to share if we're already discussing, because if if one just reads dryly the Shulchan Aruch, they could make this mistake. If they read dry just to read and touch, read and, and translate the words of the, of the Ramah and the Shulchan Aruch, you could make this mistake that the Chasen sleeping in one room and the Kala sleeping in another room doesn't require any Shmir at all. This is a big mistake. So much so, there is a, a response, a tshuva from the Debertzinah Rav, the Bermaisha, is from the big Paiskin in America. It was by the Rebbe, by dollars, a tremendous, tremendous Paisik. He wrote that he once received this question and he said, I never even went into the topic. I never even went to, I was never Mavadar. I never went to write on this topic because it's so simple to me that this is obviously not the simple reading of Chos in the one room, Kal in another room, and they don't need any Shemira. That's obviously not, not what it's talking about. And, um, and he explains, you know, this is the importance of, of taking Shemosh because anybody with within who's, who's involved in, in the halachas will never be able to make such a mistake. 
So that's why it's very important to always ask a Shaila because it could be when you read something at face value, and it may seem to be saying one thing, but it's very important to never take things into own, own hands, rather to always ask a Shaila because this is the perfect example. If you read the Shulchan Aruch, dry Shulchan Aruch, you could make this mistake that sleeping in two separate rooms in the same house would be allowed without any Shmira. This is wrong. Rather, what it means is in two different houses. One house for the Chosen, and the Kala sleeps in a different house. Now, another, and what's the reasoning behind it? Because if you have one house and another house, you have something called a Danecharabim, a place where many walk in between the both houses, and that isn't strong enough to, to create a distance between the Chosen and Kala. Now, going with the same logic, it is brought down that based on this, it is allowed to stay in one hotel, one hotel room for the Chosen and one separate hotel room, not together, one separate hotel room in the same hotel for the Kala, on condition that there's an entire corridor, at least, which separates them. The Chosen is sleeping on one room on this, this side of the corridor, the Kala is sleeping on another separate room, which the chasm does not have access to, on the, on the completely other side of the corridor, between the two rooms, many people are able to walk by without freely, whenever they want. This also is brought down as, as a proper option. So if there's a wedding and there's simply no other accommodations, this is something which is allowed, chasm in one room, kala in another separate room, not connected, and they have an entire corridor with and between them, this is accepted, and they do not require any shmira, because a shmira is when they're together. Here they're completely apart, and there's a big distance between them, which other people can freely walk by. Okay. Now the next thing is obviously, as I mentioned, it is, is available either siblings, nieces and nephews, whatever it is, to have a cotton, a young child, as we mentioned from the age of six to the age of 10, by the Chosen, and the Ketana by the Kala. When it's impossible, if there's a case where it's impossible to have children, one can take somebody over Bar Mitzvah. Uh, if it's impossible to have a Kotan and a Ketana, it is brought down that you can use two Anosh and two men, or, or two ladies that also this also fits, this also is uh, accepted. And uh, another very practical, it's a very, another very practical solution to this is, if you have the Chosn and Kala sleeping in the room together, but if on the same floor, you have another couple sleeping and both of their doors are, are left open a little bit, that's also acceptable. So they don't have to be literally one across the other. If it's like this, Right, if you have one room for the Chosen Kala, one room for the older couple, as long as they leave their doors open, the Chosen Kala do not require any Shmira. So this is again, this is also a practical Eitzah. Um, again, if and when this arises, one must certainly call their Rav, but uh, this is just to bring information ahead of time. Um, how to make arrangements, but for a final psak, one has to turn to their personal love and uh, to discuss what's the best situation 
which what is the best option for their situation. Um, let's flip the coin a little bit. Let's say it was not a chupas nida. This is the next stage. But, however, the new couple were not successful in the Be'ilas Mitzvah. This happens, this is a very common thing. You're dancing very, uh, a lot by the, by the wedding. The Chas and Pasha doesn't have Kayach, or they're very nervous, they're very shy, whatever it could be, which if this happens, it's very important to reach out to the Chas teacher, to the Kala teacher, that they should be able to help to give proper guidance on how to successfully perform the Be'ilus Mitzvah, but it happens that uh, it could be that the period is going to come before the successful. If the period comes before the Chas Nakala, the husband and wife, were successful to do the Be'ilus Mitzvah, there's also a prohibition of Yehud. That's why it's connected. So you can either have a Chupas Nida, which causes a prohibition of Yehud, or if they were not yet successful in the Be'ilus Mitzvah, that can also cause um, the prohibition of Yichud, and all the rules, all the laws that we just mentioned would also apply in this case. Again, everything must be spoken over with the love, but this is just a general outline of things to keep in mind. Now there are exceptions to this rule. The illness mitzvah means the chasen went in all the way. This is a biagmura and the illness mitzvah. Um, what happens if that, not, that did not happen? They were not successful to do that. But they, were, they managed to do a little bit less than that. So according to most opinions, the bare, bare minimum to alleviate, to take off the Isra of Yuchud, the prohibition of Yuchud, is there should be at least hachnasus ha'atara, which means there should be at least an actual penetration from the chosen to the kalo. This is itself is uh, enough to take off the Isra of Yichud. Now, a and Kala should not be extra strict on themselves. A Shaila should be asked. They should ask it of to explain what happened because you do not want to bring upon yourself Yichud when it's not necessary. It's not something to be shy about. This is something that Rabadim, Chasen and Kala teachers deal with on a daily basis. This is Torah. The same Torah that gave us this, these mitzvahs also is the same Torah that, you know, we have to keep. And if we keep it, we have to ask Shilas to, to make sure that we're, we're doing it properly. The Torah is not shy to, to give us these mitzvahs. But the same attitude we have to have, that this is Torah, this is the Eivish, this is this is what Hashem wants from us. And if we go with this approach, there's nothing to be afraid of, because you know you're doing what Hashem wants. So this is something to have in mind when you're asking a shayla, never to be embarrassed. Chas v'shalom, the rab is not uh, chas v'shalom judgmental. The kala teacher, the chasen teacher are not judgmental. They're here to help you, to keep the rats and Hashem, to keep Hashem's will, to keep the halachas. They're there to guide you in a proper way and to help you in to keep the halacha to the best of your ability. So at the very minimum, it has to be, as mentioned, a an actual penetration, and a big shasad chak, if one was not able to do so, they should ask a shayla, if it was just neshikas ever, whatever it could be, a shayla should be asked whether or not there's a problem with yichud, nobody should take it into their own hands and decide automatically that there is yichud or decide automatically that there is no yichud. That's important. 
to make sure everything is done properly. And the last topic um, is either there was a no, it was it was a chupas nida. At the end of the day, it happened. There was a chupas nida, and the little tefillah, the, the the night of mikvah, falls out on a Friday night, and it's in the middle of Shavuot brachis. Now, what's the issue? Why do we have to discuss anything? We just type. Well, what's the what's the big deal? The answer is because when one tables, they should not have any makeup on them. And being that it's Shabbos, they would not be able to reapply makeup. You're not allowed to put makeup on Shabbos. So if you come from the from the from the mikvah without makeup, or if the chatchila, if uh, even before Shabbos comes in, they don't have any makeup, people are going to know that they are going to be going to the mikvah or that they are already tabled, and this can cause a lot of. Uh, Uncomfortability for the Chosna Kala, you know, to, to, and it's not the proper thing to advertise that uh, somebody has the, the mikvah night. Uh, these things, it's very important to keep sneers. Even when it comes to Chosna Kala, how much more so when it comes to others. So what's the Eitzah? So there are three options which are given. And again, all the options over here. This is only for the purpose of information. But when it comes to halacha of what you should be doing, this has to be discussed with a rav. Your rav who knows your situation. And the first option is to table with permanent makeup. And I'll explain in a second what that means, why it's okay. Second option is after the tvila to get a guy to apply the makeup. And again, this is not a simple thing. And the third option is, which is not recommended at all, is to push off the tvila until after Shabbos. This is highly not recommended. So the first option, the first Eitzah that was given was to table with permanent makeup. Now, why is this okay? Why is this not a chetzitza? Because if you look in Yeradea, if you Zion, that's the, the source, you will see that Tzava makeup is not a chatzitza. Strictly speaking, if one titled with makeup and it's completely whole, it still looks nice, it's still serving its purpose, it's actually not a chatzitza. However, in the regular case, we do not table with any makeup whatsoever because there are more rights that you should not table even with things which are not a chatzitza. At all, when it comes to tefillah, everything has to be removed. But in, in this case, where it's something called a shasat chak, it's not a, it's not a regular case. There is room to be lenient to allow permanent makeup. And why specifically permanent makeup? Because it's not going to become ruined in the water. Therefore, if it would get ruined in the water, there could be shayla chetzitza because it no longer is nice. So when the person when immerses in the water, it ruins the makeup. And as they're tabling it, it's a chatzitza, but permanent makeup, if it's strong and it does not become ruined, strictly speaking, this is not a chatzitza, but nevertheless, this is something to be discussed with a rav. Second option is, is to table without makeup and after the tefillah to put your regular makeup, but through a goy. Again, this is also something that's simple. And this is something that's very important to, to ask a Shaila, to ask a question beforehand. 
and uh, to see if it, if, if it would be allowed, if it would not be allowed in this specific case. And the third option is to push off the tefillah. This is highly not recommended. Um, I would say it's more of a shiloh to push off the little tefillah, to push off the mikvanite than to than to table with permanent makeup. So Akoponim, that's it for now. If there's any questions, whatever it is, it can be passed on through mikvah.org and the simcha will be able to address any questions that were asked. Okay, thank you so much, Rabbi Kasimov, for that informative halachic overview. As we stated previously, this in no way uh, replaces your own halakha conversations with your Rav and Chassan and Kala teacher when someone finds themselves in a position either planned or by surprise at Chobos Nida. Um, we'd like to now hear from a variety of perspectives to hear from our Kala teachers about tips or practical suggestions or, or a hashkafic outlook on Chobos Nida. So thank you so much Kala teachers for being here today. We're going to begin with an overview. Um, Hindi Greisman is a certified Kala teacher in Crown Heights. Hindi um, Let's let's begin with an introduction, setting the tone. When you're with a kala and she realizes that she's facing chopas nida, or it's the beginning of her engagement and she's trying to uh, figure out how she what she wants to do, what would be your first thoughts? Hi. So thank you very much for having me here today. Um, I'm Hindi Greisman, proud mother, wife, certified kala teacher. Someone who wears, I guess, lots of hats, or we should say shaitel in this um, instance. So we start with, yes, setting the tone. And for this kind of conversation, we want to make sure that we understand that we're inviting Hashem into this picture. And Hashem is really being a part of this. Everything is a shkacha pratis. Everything is carefully planned by Hashem. Whether we have time to prepare for a chopas nida. I mean, we try to plan the wedding, obviously, that we should have a Chobat Tahira. Um, and then sometimes it catches us by surprise. Of course, it's hard. And this is our kind of chance to exercise our Amunah Mitachin. Hashem knows what's best for us and how this couple should be starting their marriage. And Hashem will certainly reward us. Just an interesting note that when, Hashem, when the Rebbe would send a letter to the Hassan and Kalas, the first thing he mentions is the fact the wedding date was for a specific date. And that was a big, big deal. Um, so it shows that is the foundation, knowing that Hashem and all the Hashkah Harpatis that falls into that time. Now we're um, talking with the Carl teachers, we're gonna have more of a, a round table conversation and we will also be including more perspectives from additional college teachers at the end of this session. So just so we know, we're gonna be hearing from a variety of people. Thank you, Hindi, for that um, overview on the importance of you know marriage overall and seeing the Hashkafakatas in our daily life. Also, Mrs. Shana Rosenfeld, a college teacher in Hamilton, Ontario. Shana, do you have anything to add to that? Um, yes, I would say that, first of all, I'm Shana Rosenfeld, as Hasi introduced me, and a shlucha, uh, a teacher, and a Cal certified Cal teacher in Hamilton, Ontario. Um, I would say that building on what Hindi has discussed about Hashkacha Pratis, um, our general attitude towards the potential for Chopasnida and actually being in that situation um, should really take that to heart. 
where it's very frustrating. It could be very um, overwhelming to consider all of the ramifications and that's perfectly acceptable to be upset, to be frustrated um, and to work through those feelings. And that maybe some of the special plans you had for after the wedding are feel like they're all ruined. Uh, but remembering that Hashem is a third partner in your marriage, it's not just you and your chassan, and this is how Hashem has planned, should take away some of that feeling of, um, of, of disconnect, because Hashem is there to help connect the two of you, even though it seems like you are very distant in this particular matter. Um, there also is the fact that because this is this is Hashkacha Pratis, and this is obviously the will of Hashem for your situation, there are positives that one can find and should look for, such as what Hindib suggested, where there's more time to get to know the chassid before the physical part of the marriage has come in. And obviously Hashem has decided this is the best thing for your marriage. Uh, but one more important note on our general attitude is not to let the chuppas nida ruin the experience of the wedding day itself. As the Rav explained, there's a few things under the chuppah that will be affected in the yichud room. But besides for that, the actual wedding should not be affected. Enjoy being the kala, the queen for the day, and recognize that this is only going to be a small part of the rest of your life. Thank you so much, Shana. It's so important as Kala to recognize that even though this may not be exactly how you envisioned it, there's still, um, the wedding is still the wedding and that most people at the wedding, almost all people at the wedding, would you agree? Will not know that anything happened. This is something we keep private and discreet and all those halakhas that Rabbi Kazimov mentioned are purposely, you know, thought out carefully with the rub so that this is not a public affair. We, the, Every, all the guests of the wedding do not need to know and should not know if this is a chopas nida or a chopas taira. Okay, um, so I'm just looking over here at what other questions we would like to have addressed. Um, Hindi, or, you know, um, I'm having a hard time finding it. One second, guys. Uh, okay, um, Hindi, you talked about the overall approach, okay, that Achasen okay, Kala should think about as the Hashkacha Pratis. And Shana, you talked about how this shouldn't be, you know, this happens, this isn't, you know, the end of the world. But maybe actually, let's start with Shana this time. Um, is there any difference in your mind when a Kala kind of chooses, I'm not manipulating my cycle, and so to speak, almost expecting a Chobos Nida? or as to when it sort of happens by surprise, maybe in a few days leading up to the wedding. And if there's any difference in, in how you would address this with the kala. Um, I think when a person has uh, a plan where they know this is a possibility, they've already wrapped their heads around what might be what might happen and they've perhaps looked into the halachas of it and the, the practicalities um, and prepare themselves better. And it could come as a much greater shock when it happens during the week before the wedding and they can't talk to their chassan right away. Um, and it's it feels very sudden and it wasn't, it wasn't planned. I, I don't know that the overall attitude is a different attitude in terms of, you know, recognizing that this is still hashkacha pratis, but you have to give yourself a little bit more kindness in allowing yourself to feel upset. Um, and then 
work through with your support person, whether it's your mother, your mashpia, your kala teacher, the actual practicalities and what you could do next. Okay, you know what? So talking about practicalities, let's actually discuss that a little bit. Rabbi Kazimov mentioned the, you know, the three areas that are strictly in the Rav's domain, the halachic um, differences in, let's see, the ring placement, the yicharum, and the ksuba. We have so many other elements of the wedding where practically a chopas nida might make some differences and Absolutely. that can be addressed as a kala teacher. Allow me to just add, we were yeah. talking about before of the element of surprise. So even if someone is taking, you know, something to push off the her period or birth control, you know, to manipulate the cycle, whatever it is, there is nothing is foolproof. Um, but as mothers, we need to remember, and of course, as college teachers, that we're their first responder. So when that plan B suddenly happens, they're going to turn to us. Of course, they need the validation, but they don't need us to freak out. So as mothers, we need to remember all our parenting skills take a deep breath and pause before we react because that will determine the and set emotion emotionally how things will proceed from there so going with their you know their biggest fears of how is my husband going to react to this news or everybody is going to know when they right away hear nobody has to know only them people that are actually involved in those preparations whether it's the sleeping arrangements or under the chuppah and stuff like that Otherwise, nobody has to know. And all these things are really taken into um, account and practiced with such discretion that when the Colin knows this, that's half of her, half of her fears. Um, and although it might seem uh, that a Kala would want to right away tell her husband, it might be advisable that someone else speaks on her behalf. Depends on, obviously, depends on the situation, depends on their relationship, depends on so many other aspects. But the chassan is just, you know, handed this information, so much emotion, how is he supposed to react? He needs that time also to pause. And that's very hard when it's just the two of them. So thank um, you, Mindy. So that, we could elaborate on that soon. Yes, yeah. But, Let's just backtrack for one moment. So you talked about, you know, the element of surprise that it's really important that the support system, we as college teachers are, so to speak, trained to know, to, uh, you know, to react with the way, what it is, calmly. It's not, this is not this a tragedy. This is not something to be, you know, the way we perceive it is, and the way our Kala will perceive it will help the wedding go smoothly. And as Shana said, at the same time, allowing kindness to ourselves to allow ourselves to feel sad or disappointed, but then we also need to deal with practically. So let's go practically. Step one, you touched the bottom a bit, so maybe we'll start with that, is practically, you know, especially when it's surprise, oh my goodness, what is the first thing I do? What is the first thing the Kala should do when she suddenly realizes, you know, her cycle began, she didn't get to the mikvah yet before the wedding, or she went to the mikvah and then the cycle began. Either way, the wedding started, the wedding has not yet taken place, and it's, you know, and her cycle began. What is the first thing she should do? You touched upon it about like who tells the chassan, but let's backtrack for a moment. What's the first thing she should do? Shana, we want to just talk about the first thing. Um, she should reach out to that support person, whether it's her mother or her kala teacher or even her mashpia, um, somebody who will help ground her and guide her and walk, help walk her through the next few steps. And the second thing um, would be to work with that 
support person to contact the Rav. While Rabbi Kasimov said many things are in the Masada Kedushin's hand and you need to contact the Masada Kedushin, there are many times where Masada Kedushin is not an actual Rav. He's uh, a family member who you're giving a kibbutz to and doesn't necessarily know the ins and outs of this particular complex area of halacha with regard to how the sleeping arrangements are gonna go and what are the options for the yichud room. And so there's uh, important to first contact the support person, then speak to the Rav, and then you know, know what you're supposed to then tell the Masada Kedushin and how to go further. Okay, thanks. So we have, you know, contact your support person together with the support person we're speaking to the Rav, and then that will also bring into play, into conversation as to whether we are or are not telling the chassan, who's telling the chassan, Hindi, if you can elaborate, since you began with that topic on, you know, letting the chassan know who does, how. Okay, so, um, and after they reach out to you and they, you tell them it's going to be okay, give them a task to do, whether that task is drinking a cup of tea of chamomile or taking that relaxing bath, but give them a task and tell them, let's be in touch in an hour while I touch base with whoever needs to be spoken to. And then that kind of just puts their emotions on pause when they have a task to do, whatever that task might be, okay? Um, so I, we said before, so obviously it's best the chasam and kala don't talk directly um, about this because it can lead to intimate talk and a breach of tzniyas. The kala can get too emotional, the chasam is, can feel at loss, and how to comfort his kala at this time, what to do with this information, um, a situation that they really have no control over. Uh, so it's best that and most idle for the parents or the chassan and kala teacher can be in touch and they can be the go-between for the details and the arrangements. Um, depending on the situation, if the kala strongly feels that she wants to tell her chassan, obviously, if it's, if it's a, within the week before the wedding, then uh, Rav would be in between also kind of how to do that because they're not really speaking at that point. They're not supposed to be talking at that point. Um, but the Kala should go with it when she's, when she's mentioning it to her husband, also have the, in, the information, not, inform, not, not necessarily if it's all set in place yet, but while she's giving over that information, also say it's being worked on and we'll figure out the accommodations. Not just that we have a bombshell of an, of a situation here and we're at loss and, you know, everything is in shambles, right? But no, this is the situation. It's being worked on. It's being handled. And everything will be okay. If they go in that with that attitude as well, it'll help diffuse the situation between the two of them. Um, obviously, this whoever the support person is will have to prep for that. Okay. On a tone to happen. Um, let's move along on the some of the practical components that are you know that take place at the wedding that might be affected by chopas nida or not. So I'll, I'll, the first thing I have over here is um, pictures. Are there anything that we need to keep in mind when we're taking pictures at the wedding that might be different because we have a chopas nida? Uh, yeah, uh, the, oftentimes when the chas and kala are posing together, the photographer. I mean, as a general. Uh, rule, Chas and Kala should be cognizant of making sure their pictures are uh, batamped, edel, and not 
overly explicit, but the, the photographer will often have them pose very close to each other. And as Anita, she, her clothing can't even touch his clothing. And so they will have to leave some space. And it's something that you could just tell the photographer, please don't place us too close to each other. And could you edit out any uh, extra space so it doesn't look that way um, for all future uh, people who look at the wedding pictures don't need to know that it was the Chopas Nida. And another uh, suggestion that has been made is that when you do the big family picture, it's almost impossible for the Chassan and Kala not to be touching. And you could, it, it's very common today to leave space for the Chassan and Kala and digitally insert them. And that's probably a better uh, suggestion than actually trying to figure out how Chassan and Kala could be in the picture and not touch. Um, another option would be for the Chassan and Kala to sit on chairs uh, that are a little bit separated from each other in the family picture, so they're not squished by everybody. Okay, so these are all elements where, you know, halakhically, we just have the one concern that we don't, we can't be touching, and then we have practically, how can we make sure that we have really nice pictures, that when we look back at it years later, it's not a constant reminder, and that everyone else watching these pictures get taken place, don't, do not need to know um, the private matters between the couple. So, right. as Shana had mentioned, you know, speak to the photographer, because there are, there are our photographers who are experienced in this area and have, so to speak, tricks of the trade here in, in how to place you that the camera looks like you're really close together, but there's actually some distance. Can right. you just so, add to that? Yeah, so a good photographer will be able to, exactly as you say, place them in a way, like in the Hudson standing slightly behind the collar to avoid that poofy gown. But when you're looking at it from the front view, it looks like they're standing right next to each other. So there's definitely... You know, a good a good photographer um, can do that. Um, also, speaking before, we were talking about all the emotions. Besides for all the emotions, the new emotions that are going on with Chobasnida, there's also the normal wedding prep jitters that are going on. And as we know, as women, whenever we get our period, there's that down feeling. So all those emotions are not just, remember that it's not just about the Chobasnida. It's with everything that's going on. So keeping in mind that there's a whole bunch of little parts of the puzzle that we were dealing with before, this is an added piece. And, and just knowing that this new part we have to take care of because everything else we were, we were expecting, it's just this new part of this information that we have to deal with. That in itself is a little bit more of relief knowing, okay, we were, there was a plan B. We knew all this might've been coming. It's just an added piece that we have to figure out now. Right, thank you, Hindi. So it's important for the Kala to recognize that all these emotions, or let's say looking back and saying, oh my goodness, this was a disaster before my wedding. It's not all about Chopasnita. There's all the, you know, the overall feelings we might have during our cycle. There might be overall feelings that we have about marriage and the wedding. And then there's an additional layer that it didn't quite go as planned. Okay, so practically we addressed the pictures. We still have some more practical things that might come up. Um, by the chuppah or other people noticing, um, or in general worrying about other people noticing. Shayna, can you address that, please? Uh, for the most part, the the what happens under the chuppah is so far away from the majority of the people. Um, the only changes are going to be in how the ring is placed and the giving of the ksuba. And often the Masada Kedushan will just position himself in a way that the camera doesn't catch when it's not the chassan handing the ksuba over to the kala, but rather the Masada Kedushin or one of the parents, however the Masada Kedushin goes about it. Um, and even the placing of the ring is done in a way that you can't really tell what the difference is. 
So majority of the people don't know and can't tell. Um, and they're actually also not particularly concerned if they, they, they don't care to know if this is a chupas nida or not, because they're just simply there to celebrate the simcha of the chasan and kala. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm looking at, you know, at some of the things we wanted to ensure that we discussed here today to be an overall, you know, informative session for Hassan and Kala facing this. I'm going to once again reiterate, just due to its importance, this is in no way um, halakhically um, binding or your own hashkafa. You absolutely should reach out to your own support system, your mother, your Kala teacher, the Hassan teacher, the Rav, all those people really need to be involved when this is a situation um, facing you. So this, this session here is for information. It's not like, oh, now we know everything. We don't even need to call anyone. You definitely want to go through all the specifics um, in your own situation to determine uh, exactly what should happen by by the wedding or that, that night, um, that Shabbos, etc. But um, is there anything else here that we wanted to address, Hindi? Did you have anything else you wanted to mention in regards to this? Um, anything else? Just reiterating what you're saying about speaking to Rav, because the Rav gets very creative. Um, and when we're at loss, oh my gosh, what should we do? The Rav has been dealing with this so many more times than we have been. Um, and they get creative on whether it's the sleeping arrangements or for a mikvah Friday night, um, all those things. The, the Rav will have other ideas and take the sensitivity of the Kala so much into account with everything. And one thing for sure we know. That's an overall perspective that we should have for Tars and Mitzvah. Absolutely. The Rav is our friend. The Rav is there to help us. The Rav is, you know, as you said, dealt with us so many more times than us. Things goes in areas where we may not consider as solutions. I love the way you said the Rav is our friend because I just had a caller here a few weeks ago and she had a small little thing, um, which I could have answered her, but we used that as an opportunity to, I, you know, I encourage her to call on her own. And when she came that night for the class, she's like, I don't know if this is appropriate for me to say, but oh my gosh, the Rav is my new BFF. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's great. So really they're, they're, they're creative and they're sensitive. And there's never a time that the college should ever feel that this is her fault because it's Hashem's doing and Hashem's planning and it's never her fault. Okay, thank you. Um, Shayna, do you have anything else you want to add about Chupas Nida? And then I'll have my final comments and questions. Um, just to go back to the very beginning, it is a frustrating uh, situation, especially when it comes on really suddenly and unexpectedly, and you feel like you did everything to avoid it. You took the pills and it, you did. You took them on time, and for some reason you still had a breakthrough bleed. Um, it, it, could feel, it could feel extremely upsetting, and it's very important to... Uh, find people who validate that and the Rav will validate that and the Rav understands uh, that this is um, a hard thing as we said you know there's all the other emotions the pre-wedding jitters etc that are coming into play at the same time and if you feel that you really need to speak to your chassan just to know that he's okay with it um, that that's something that you should bring up to your support person or you should bring up to the Kala teacher to the Rav and ask about how I can go about talking to him don't forget that you need to take care of yourself and uh, make sure that you're, you know, you're calm. And these are these aren't uh, the whole idea and perspective we're giving is not so much about 
saying, you know, don't worry, be happy, but more to give you a, a, a broader uh, perspective and a way of looking at things in a way that might help calm you. And thank you, Shana. Um, Hindi, can you just discuss a little bit, you know, this couple is now entering extended Nita time. Is there anything that they should consider or do about that? Yes, it would definitely be beneficial to be in touch with the Rav if the couple has Chobas Nida. And then again, they go back into Nida right away from Bielas Mitzvah. So they're having such an extended Nida time asking the Rav about doing um, minimal badikas and how many badikas they should be doing after the first time they're coming back from mikvah. Also getting clarity um, on the Ainais on the calendar, especially if she was on some form of birth control, and if there's any other way to minim minimize that needed time. The Rabbanim will be happy to work with the Hassan and Kala and to find out what their options are to make this time much easier into a transition. Okay. I do so want to... You know, obviously we're not going to get into all the nitty-gritty details about how someone could do that because it's going to be so case-specific, correct? Yes. Right, okay. So it's just a matter of, you know, we should go and speak, speak to the Rav so that we can figure out some of the options to minimize the needs of time. Exactly. So remembering that the Rav is always on your side and is creative in finding ways to help you with that. One more question here that um, it's not specific to Chupasnita, it's just about Chupasnita, we have this extended time almost immediately. And that is, um, you know, it could be overall for almost all but we, we brought this up, so let's, let's address this. And that would be, what are some ideas of how to, so to speak, pass the time? We just got married, and now we're here, and we're not going straight into, you know, Bilas Mitzvah or focusing on that. So what are ways to bond with our chassan during this time that we're, so to speak, waiting to go to the mikvah? So during, so during Shavar Brachas, we don't really have as much time as we imagined beforehand we're going to have. It's not really that, you know, full day of time that I have to fill to spend with my chosin. Um, you're, you know, they're sleeping, there's going to getting, getting ready, and there's going to Shavit Brachas, and maybe a couple of practical things to take care of in between. Uh, but some ideas in general for whenever you're in Nida are things like board games or uh, going for a walk. And while some of it could feel a little bit more awkward when you have a shimer around, they'll generally make themselves, you know, sort of fade into the background especially if you have to have someone older than a six to 10 year old for whatever reason during the day, um, but kind of make themselves fade into the background so that you could connect with your chassan, talk, play some, you know, play a game that, um, you know, distracts you, go for a walk. Uh, and those are, you know, some of the practical things I have. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, I just want to, to end by, Wishing you a big mazel tov and easy preparations for this day. Everything should go easy, smooth, and stress-free as possible. The Rebbe would call this time Yakar Mikal Yakar, and you should be able to enjoy your engagement as you prepare for your marriage as a solid foundation. Mazel tov. Okay, so thank you to everybody. And whether you're listening to this because you're uh, wanting to know, you know, before you get engaged, what's involved, or you're engaged and now we're going to wish you a hearty muzzle tub, or you're the mother of the Kala and you wanted to hear, um, you know, all the important areas where we addressed the mother, whichever way it goes, muzzle tub to you. And it's all in Hashem's hands. Thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for having us. Taking it forward. My pleasure. Have a good day. Thanks for having
Take care and have a great day. We hope you enjoyed today's recording. Please take a moment to leave a rating or a review to help others find the podcast. We welcome you to support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. For feedback, please email podcast at mikvah.org. Have a wonderful day.